and so glad that we could uh, meet together this morning and I'm sure this week uh, all of us can be thankful to God. You know, more than 85,000 corona cases all over India, but God has kept us by his grace and we will continue to trust him uh, to protect us, to shield us and to lead us. We also thank God for those who are you know, afflicted, but yet they've been healed, they've recovered. We want to thank God for that. And we want to pray also for the families that have lost the dear ones. And this morning, um, as we sang those songs, you know, just a closer walk with you. And then Lord, take me past the outer court into the Holy of Holies. And um, uh, like a uh, savior, like a shepherd, lead us. You know, these should be our heart's cry, not just during the times of worship, but it should be a heart's cry every day because we are created to have that longing. And this morning, I wanted to share with you, pitch your tent, pitch your tent of meeting. And uh, let's close our eyes and look to God. Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this beautiful morning. Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning to worship you, to praise you. We thank you for warming our hearts with your love as we sang, Father Lord, these songs to connect with you, to worship you, to, to, to tell of our heart's intent, Lord, our desire, our longing. We pray that this will be our lifestyle. This morning, hide me behind the cross. Father, you speak. Father, we want this message to speak to all of us. Lord, including me who's sharing. Lord, including all of us, the children, the Lord, Master, Savior, the youth, the married couples, the families, the middle-aged and the elderly. And let this Lord leave a divine imprint upon our hearts that forever our lives will be changed. We want your word to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pitch your tent of meeting. Most of us deal with an outside world. And um, a follower of Christ is entrusted to deal with the outside world. We have our families. We work with believers. We have all that. But we also have an outside world. And Jesus, knowing all this, said in Matthew 16, 10, 10 16. Matthew 10 and verse 16. You can play that uh, slide next one. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as, as serpents and harmless as doves. He knew what is outside in the world. So he told us, be wise. Be wise, be wise as serpents. But at the same time, not harmful like the serpents, but harmless like the doves. Don't be like a dove in your wisdom. You know, but be wise in your wisdom like serpents, but be harmless like doves. And dealing with the outside world is not easy. And in 1 John 5 and verse 19, the Bible tells us, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the wicked one, under the sway of the wicked one. Uh, that's the condition of the outside world. When we talk about the outside world, I'm talking about the world that is outside of Christ. You know, any, any system uh, that does not live up to the standard of God's word. And we have a responsibility to live our lives in such a crooked world, an evil world. 
to go out and live and even share God's love to that world. And Jesus, God knew that very well and sent Jesus. The Romans were not happy. They were all the time at the back of Jesus. And uh, Jesus said, if it has happened to me, just think how much more it will happen to you. We are to share out to others the world of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world of our Lord Jesus Christ is entirely a different world altogether. And Jesus spoke of kingdom principles, which was exactly opposite to what is in the world. And in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, Paul writing, he told very clearly, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Three things, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. In the midst of all these entire evil, God does not leave us comfortless. To combat this evil, this world of evil, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit desire to meet with us in the soul room of our lives to transact with us and to give us power by changing our lives. Please note, God is waiting. The Trinitarian God is waiting to meet with you and me in the soul room of our lives to transact with us and to change us by giving us his power. The idea of this message is taken from a book by Dr. Chuck Miller, The Spiritual Formation of Leaders, and is developed into a sermon. The idea alone is taken, and then, you know, I, I was uh, go through a lot of scriptures and able to put in a sermon. And, uh, you know, this has been in my heart for a long time, and uh, God has enabled me, and I believe that God will minister to all of us. <laughs> can, can, you, can you turn to Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11? <clears throat> Exodus 33, 7 to 11. I want to read to you. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and the, all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young, young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You know, there was a quiz. You know, on the lighter side, there was a quiz asking, which is the only nun who had a son? And, uh, you know, everybody was confused, and the preacher said it is Joshua. Now, Exodus chapter 33, 1 to 6, we read in that passage that how, God was uh, angry with Moses and his people, especially the people of God, 
And God was telling Moses, Moses, I'm not going to come with you to the promised land. I can't lead you because I'm a holy God. Your people are stiff-necked people. They will disobey me. And in my anger, I will definitely finish them. I don't want. I Instead, I will send an angel and he will go before you and he will take you into the promised land. You read that conversation, Exodus 33, 1 to 6. So you can read that later. But on verse seven, on, in verse 7 onwards, it tells the, that Moses separates himself, the passage that we read, Moses separates himself and meets with God and calls it the tent of meeting. He meets with God separately and the tent, he calls it the tent of meeting. We do not know what transpired between God and Moses in the tent of meeting. That God tells in verse 14, my presence shall go with thee after refusing to go with them initially. Verses 1 to 6, it was God telling Moses, I'm not coming. Most, uh, and from 7 onwards to verse 11 in Exodus 33, it was God, it was Moses who was meeting with God. We really don't know what happened, what transpired. The Bible just keeps it blank, making us to wonder what could have taken place. But in verse 14, God says, my son, my presence will go with you and will give you rest. Things changed between God and Moses in the tent of meeting. This tent of meeting transaction, I want to tell you, will alter our lives, our families, our ministries forever. Chuck Miller calls this in his book, The Place of Meeting with God as the Soul Room. And I have taken it as calling it as a tent of meeting from the scriptures, which Moses called it as a tent of meeting. Jesus often spent time alone with God in his tent of meeting. Jesus in his humanity was much dependent upon God to empower and enrich him so you could serve the suffering humanity. Jesus was constantly going into God's presence. We, you, there are so many scriptures and that is not the point of my message. And uh, so I'm not going to focus on that much. Three things takes place in the tent of meeting, which I was able to pick out as I read this passage. The first one is welcome. The next one is the well-being. And the third one is the warmth. Welcome into his holy of holies. In the tent of meeting, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, remember, he's waiting to welcome us individually to meet with us listen to us and to bring transformation inside us. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three of them wait. The Trinitarian God wait. We humans feel guilty to go to God because of our sins and shortcomings. We neglect our going into the tent of meeting and it gathers dust and cobwebs and we leave it unattended while our Trinitarian God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit wait for us to come to him. That is what is happening in most of our lives. Guilt, sins, shortcomings, maybe little ones or big ones, but all this is keeping us away from coming into God's presence. In Exodus 33 verses 9 to 11, the passage that we read, I want to bring to your attention, 33, 9 to 11. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle 
that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. The Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people arose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but the servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Verse 9 says the Lord talked with Moses. This was an ongoing practice for God and Moses. God would wait at the tent of meeting or when Moses walks into the tent of God will descend and speak to him. And in most of our lives, guilt builds up in us. And because of guilt, we don't go into God's presence. We think, I'm not a... I'm not a saint. I'm going to be an hypocrite if I'm going to read the Bible, if I'm going to pray, if I'm going to fast. Let me tell you, God is not looking for saints to come to him. God is looking for people who trust his love to come to him so that they can be ch changed and transformed. Guilt is an emotion that builds up in our mind, making us to feel utterly useless. And if not handled correctly, then it will lead us to do things that will push us into further guilt. This guilt pushes away from meeting with God in the tent of meeting. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. Here in Jesus, you and I have a high priest. We go into the Holy of Holies. We cannot enter in by anything but by the blood of the Lamb. And when you go there, the Bible says he sympathizes with us in our weakness. This is not a comfort for us to live in sin. But he knows our weakness. He knows our struggle. And the Bible says Jesus was tempted on all points like as you and I are and yet without sin. So he understands the pressure of temptation in our lives. And the Bible says in Psalm 40 and verse 12, this is what? David did for innumerable evils have surrounded. This was a song. Lord, innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities are overtaken me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. I'm sure that most of us, most of us, or all of us will be able to agree with this verse and understand this verse better because it tells about you and me. David is surrounded by trouble and sin. His evil and his iniquities were more than the hairs of his head. And he says, I'm unable to look up and my heart is failing me. I'm unable to look up to the holy face of God. I feel guilty. I have sins, evil that has more than the hairs of my head. And in Genesis 3 and verse 9, God came searching for Adam in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell from his grace into sin. And God cried out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam and Eve had tasted the best from God. And they have seen his love and care. But now they sinned against God and they are hiding. David said that. Evil has gone up. I'm not able to look up and my heart fails me. Adam was hiding himself. 
This is the human nature. My dear brother, my dear sister, if you are one among those who are hiding from God because you feel guilty, you don't want to go to God every day and meet with him. I want to tell you, you're making a very grave mistake. He is waiting in the, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are waiting in the soul room to meet with you. In the tent of meeting, he is waiting all the time. We are hiding and we are thinking that we can hide from God. They did not search for God. Adam and Eve did not search for God, but God came searching for them. These days, most of the people are either busy at work or for work or with multimedia devices. Our time for God and with God is now limited or neglected for various reasons. Maybe, as I said, sin could keep us away from God or our busy schedule, work, pressure. Sin and secular responsibilities and entertainments have taken away our time and blocked our hearts from spending time with God. If this is your case today, I urge you repent. Repent and say, Lord, just a closer walk with you. I'm to take part in the communion. I'm going to take part in the communion. By the way, if you're ready with your communion, please keep it ready. If you're not ready, please keep it ready. And we're going to have a beautiful time of communion at the end. And uh, the Trinity wants to listen to our struggles and problems and help us. Every day God wants waiting to spend time with us. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This was Paul's benediction, closing lines to the Corinthians in his second book, second uh, letter. The Trinitarian God wants to shower his grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us with his love, the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit, he wants to fellowship with you and me. God is a broken-hearted lover. Jeremiah chapter 3 verses 19 to 20. We read how Jeremiah, uh, God said, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. He wants to give the best. I thought you would call me father. And not to turn away from following me. Look at the heart of God. I want you to call me my father. My fa call me father because I'm your father. The true father. And then he says, but like a woman, 20, but like a woman unfaithful to husband. So you Israel have been unfaithful to me. The heart of the father out of God is broken. He is like a, he's like a, a lover, broken hearted lover. And as a, as my sons grew up, I began to understand the heart of a father, the father of God, the father out of God. Better. When I began to deal with them, when they began to grow up with all their own ways of thinking and doing things and trying to advise them, trying to tell them to do the right thing, it was a challenge. And for me and my wife, at the same time, I began to understand how much my God loves me, how much he's a true father. I want to tell you, he welcomes you into the tent of meeting. He's waiting there to meet with you. He's also the creator of the whole universe. We are one of the billions of people on our earth. 
nearly seven, more than seven billion people are there. We are one among them. Our Earth orbits the sun in our solar system. Our sun is one of the stars among the billions in the Milky Way galaxy. And our Milky Way galaxy is one among the billions of galaxies in our universe. Think of it. And you and I are unique. Psalm 19 and verse 1. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Look at this uh, picture behind. The number of stars here alone, they say, can be billions of stars. We are not able to count just one photo. And the psalmist looked at this and said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. And in 8.4, he said, what is man that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. The Trinitarian God wants to, wants to show his love. He shows how much he loves us. Was involved in the creation and he's waiting to meet with us in the throne room. Jeremiah 3 and verse 1. They say, the scripture says, they say if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him, becomes another man's, may he return to her again. Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Et, return to me. Et, return to me, says the Lord. If you are in backsliding, if you are keeping away from God, you are saying that I don't have time. God is saying, et, return to me. You may say, I am a secret sinner. And God says, my blood will cleanse you. I have certain habits, God, which are disgraceful. God says, my power will deliver you and my grace is sufficient for you. And you may say, I have nothing to offer, Lord, to you. And I want to tell you, you have, God says, you have my image inside you. You have nothing to offer, but you have my image inside you. Then you can say, I can, I don't think I can measure up to God's standard, your standard, God. And God says, I will raise you up. You may say, I'm too busy with work. And God tells, I gave 24 hours to all my creation and trust me, you can find time if you will to be with me, to spend time with me. In a day, there are 24 hours. Eight hours, you can, we can sleep. Eight hours, solid hours. Twelve hours, we can work. Three hours, washing, eating, and watching television, Facebook, WhatsApp, everything. We still have one hour left in a day to spend with God. Consider this not an option, but a necessity. That one hour or whatever time is the most crucial for your soul's well-being. God is waiting and he is welcoming you. The Father, Son of the Holy Spirit is welcoming you into his presence. Uh, a story is told of Thomas Jefferson. He was a uh, prisoner of the United States. During those days, there were no cars. He was going on a horseback with his team. And they had to cross the Solon River. The bridge was broken. And uh, there were almost everyone who had to go on the sturdy horse over that Solon River. The current was flowing very hard. And they had to cross over. And almost a lot of people were going there. You know, many people crossed and went. There was one man who refused to go. Then he looked at Thomas Jefferson and said, 
can you please take me over to the other side? And uh, Thomas Jefferson said, yes, please come on top. He got into the saddle. She took him to the other side and this man got down. And uh, then the, when the stranger got down, the team who was with president, they looked at him. Tell me, why did you select the president to ask for this favor? The man was shocked, admitting he had no idea it was the president of the United States who had helped him. All I know, he said, is that on some of your faces was written the answer no, but on some of them was the answer yes. His was a yes face. His face said yes, he will help me. So I could approach him. I want to tell you, my dear brother, my dear sister, the heart of God says, yes, my son, my daughter, I am there to meet with you, help you to climb up in your spiritual life. Please know for certainty there is a welcome in God's presence. God's divine welcome is there. The next one is well-being of our inner being, of ourself, inner self. Christian life flows from inside out. That is why I mentioned inner being. In fact, the whole being, God is caring for you and me. Hebrews 9 verses 13 to 14, a scripture that really propelled me from a life of guilt to serve God. 9, 13 to 14, I read to you. For if the blood of goats and bulls <clears throat> and the sprinkling of defiled person with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purifying of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The first transaction that happens in the meeting of us, the purification of our conscience now. Guilt is removed away. First there is a welcome. There is a welcome always waiting for you and me. The second one is the purification of our souls. The writer to the Hebrews said, how much more will the blood of Christ cleanse me and draw me into his presence from dead works to serve the living God, from a slavery of sin to a service for the living God. Isaiah 6 verses 5 to 7. Isaiah cried out like this. Isaiah goes into God's temple. So I said, who is me? For I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This vision about God, the holiness of God, made Isaiah to realize what a dirty man he is. What a dirty young boy, man he is. And he cries out, he said, my eyes have seen and I am undone. My, I, my lips are unclean and I'm also living among the unclean lips. The Bible said that as soon as he recognized his sin, soon as he confessed, soon as he humbled himself, the Bible says in 6, then one of the seraphim flew to him having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the, with the tongs from the altar. And he touched his lips and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is purged. There is a welcome 
and now god wants to take care of our souls well-being by purging our guilt with his blood isaiah becomes finally one of the finest prophets of god who could accurately give the message of the isaiah of the messiah his lips was cleansed sanctified and his life changed and god used the same sanctified lips which lips unclean lips which are sanctified and he lived among people with unclean lips and that lips were sanctified and he could proclaim the message of god and not only that the message about jesus the suffering messiah about G the birth of jesus the suffering of jesus the death of jesus even about the end life end time of the world everything he was able to prophesy so beautifully there are so many messianic prophecies about the end time in the in in isaiah's prophecy but one act changed everything when he humbled himself where in god's presence and he said lord help me only in god's presence all of our guilt is taken away not by being away from god's presence please note that devil is very crafty he will tell us to be away from god's presence because we are sinful we are evil we are weak but god says my son come into my place into my temple into my presence with your guilt confess it i will cleanse it it was atoned for on the cross but transaction takes place in god's presence when we go to god's presence his blood takes care in psalm 103 verses 11 and 12 the psalmist said for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far he has removed the transgressions from us bible is a book of stories of real people Late Billy Graham said it tells the truth of everyone frankly openly honestly and hence it is called the holy bible the psalmist cried out as far as the east is from the west so far he has removed our transgressions from us he is including himself this is what god can do and stories of these people matter to god and hence he included them in the word in the world and in his plan for the world our lives matter to god and for his plan your life my son my daughter my brother my dear sister your life matters to god you may be anyone here sitting there to listen to god's word god is speaking to you directly and telling you my son my daughter your life matters to me i wanted to write history with your life if you can trust me if you can come into my presence if you can trust my grace and my power i will do the rest in your life i can write history and i want to write history with your life i'm not talking that we will be history makers but we will be become part of god's history plans in this world here is a place where we can worship god and hear his voice in the tent of meeting the bible says god spoke to moses face to face as a friend speaks with a friend can we become a friend of god yes we can become a friend of god there was a roman catholic priest henry noman he wrote a lot of books fine very nice books and he was one of the best theologians he writes like this please uh, read it if you can 
the real trap, however, is self-rejection. There's a deception outside in the world, but there's also self-rejection inside us. As soon as someone accuses or criticizes me, as soon as I'm rejected, left alone or abundant, I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I'm a nobody. My dark side says I'm no good. I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected and abundant. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. We are the beloved bride of Christ. Each one are beloved for God, for Christ. Tent of meeting made God to receive us as we are, welcome us. And he wants to transform us into his image. He wants to bring the image into us. Exodus 33 and verse 11, Moses, the Bible says, would return to the camp. This scripture suggests that Moses was coming back again and again. We don't know how long it was. Slowly and steadily, God transacted with him. Took away Moses' impulsive behavior, the anger, the things that really was weak in Moses. And began to transform Moses and brought his image into Moses. And Exodus 34, 29 to 35, the Bible says, the face of Moses began to shine the glory of God. Imagine, the face of Jesus, Moses began to shine with the glory of God. That's the transformation glory, God was bringing, glory to glory. All this happened because he was able to be in the tent of meeting with God. He tasted God in Mount Sinai. He knew that is the best place. And he found, this is so many people, so much of noise. He takes the tent, pitches outside to meet with God. And slowly and steadily, God began to change him. His face began to shine the glory of God. And Numbers 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, man, Moses was the meekest person on the earth. Let me read to you Numbers 12, 6 to 8. God came down in defense of Moses and this is what God said in 6. He said, listen to my words. God came in defense of Moses and telling the people, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. That's another category of people. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I will speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God came in defense of Moses. The Bible says Moses is different. He, other prophets are there. Good. I reveal to them. I speak to them. Fine. But Moses is entirely different. He meets with me in the tent of meeting. He tells me all his shortcomings, his problems. He tells me his burdens. He trusts me. I cannot leave him alone. I, I will come in defense of him. I will speak to him face to face clearly and I will make myself known unto him. I'm sure many other things took place in the tent of meeting with Moses, between Moses and God. And the same God wants to meet with you and me. The Bible says the Trinitarian God will speak peace to his people. 
the Trinitarian God will share his promises to you and me. The Trinitarian God will reveal his heart to you and me. The Trinitarian God will lift our burdens from our shoulders and help us to live and face this world. I wanted to bring these two points again. The Trinitarian God welcomes us into the tent of meeting and then takes care the well-being of our inner person. We have a tree in front of our house. That tree was very small. Suddenly it became very big and the roots began to disturb our water sump in front. The roots began to invade. It, gave, it, it gives us a lot of trouble. And the day before yesterday, I brought a structural engineer who was a friend who came and visited. And he was telling me a lot of things, how the root goes looking for water. He said one important thing that really touched me. He said, when there is enough water, the roots won't go in search of water. But during summer when things are dry, the roots look out where it can find water and goes there to get water. I was just thinking, Lord, let me never wait for dry seasons. Help me always be soaked with your water. In other words, we can say, let our roots search for the living water. I'm sure our lives will change. The tent of meeting, the warmth, the finally, the warmth to carry his, his love. In the tent of meeting, God begins to pour his love and compassion into our hearts. Friends, our lives will begin to change and God will begin to delight in us and use us. He will warm our hearts so that we will be able to warm others with this love. Again, coming back to Exodus 33 verses 9 to 11. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood up at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. The people saw the habit of Moses and God meeting with him and each one began to worship God, the Bible says, with reverence in their hearts, in their own tent. I can imagine the awe and silence that descended on the camp. I was just thinking of that. How it could have been Moses walking in the camp. Children are playing around. You know, maybe throwing this, throwing that, running around, making noise. The parents see Moses walking to that camp, to the tent, to meet with God. The parents call out the children, come, 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 or tell them to be silent. Children stand silent. Moses walks slowly into the tent of meeting. And the people see. And God also comes down. Think of it, the creator God, my hairs and all. I'm getting goosebumps. The creator God comes down to meet with Moses. There's pin drop silence. And the Bible says, the parents also, but the children, they also worship the God. That is really infectious. That is really very, very infectious. And further we find that Joshua catches the vision and stays put in God's presence. The Bible says, Joshua, the son of 
uh, not, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. He found that, oh, wow, this is the best place. And he begins to spend time like Moses in God's tabernacle. In the tent of meeting, God warms our hearts to such an extent that it becomes so infectious and we automatically begin to warm others' heart. After hundreds of years, Jesus did the same and Jesus was able to carry the warmth of the love of God till the end of his life to others. Mark 1, 35 to 38, if you read, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place and there prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogue and driving out demons. If you read that chapter one very carefully, you find up to 34 that Jesus was very busy the previous evening. You know, he was casting out demons. He was healing people. He was preaching to them. He must have been really, really exhausted physically. But 35, Mark writes, but very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus goes to meet with God. Jesus met with God regularly. For us, meeting with God, with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit is a privilege. And I urge you, my dear brother, my dear sister, do not neglect it for anything in the world, for any amount of money, for anything in the world. Yes, there are days when you will be busy, you will be caught up with this, fine. But definitely your heart will still connect with God. The apostles saw Jesus, it and they decide something very important in their ministry. The apostles were with Jesus. And when they began to see the ministry growing and people are having various needs and they were getting sucked into that, the Bible says in Acts 6 verse 2 to 4, this is what they decided and this is what they confessed. It is not desirable. Think of the words. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But, that's the beauty. Just hold that word, but. But, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Today, God is looking out for such people. You and me can be that people. 24 hours, I said, Eight hours work, eight hours sleep, solid sleep, good rest. Twelve hours work, morning six to evening six work. And still you have one hour left. Three hours you have, sorry, for your washing up, your, uh, your, your, your other things that you want to do. And then you have still one hour left for you and me to meet with God. Paul said in Romans 15, 29, I know I quote the scripture every day and this is what he said. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I really don't know what is that full measure. But you and I can keep praying, Lord, I wanted to enter into that full measure of the blessing of Christ. In King James Version, it says, I know that when I come to you, I will come to you in the full measure of the full, fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The full measure of Christ or full measure of the gospel. That means whatever the gospel, whatever God brought the message for you and me 
for us to enjoy. Paul is saying, I'm going to be filled with that and I'm going to come to you. The warmth of his love will warm us so that we will carry the warmth to others in this world. One evening, just before a lady who was a musical star was to perform on a famous stage, was given a small note from a friend who was on deathbed. He was a close friend. He said in that note, Dear Mary, a bell is not a bell till you ring it. A song is not a song till you sing it. Love in your heart is not put there to stay. Love is not love till you give it away. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister, if you and I are really loving God, we cannot stay. We have to give it away. We have to give it away. There will be so many things, so many mean things. Today, the world, I found many, many mean and small things people are dwelling on. There are greater things, the fullness that God wants to give us. And tent of meeting is the place where God meets us, pours his love into you and me. He pours his heart cry into my heart and your heart to combat this evil world. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit desire to meet with us in the tent of meeting of our lives to transact with us and give us a transformation. Tent of meeting is not only a place to receive power for ministry, though we surely receive power for service. Yes, we receive power, but it is a place to meet with God and enjoy his welcome. To receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ for the well-being of our inner personality and our whole being, and also to be warmed by his love. Love which poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit so we will be able to serve others. I want to ask you, do you have a tent of meeting? Do you have, when I say tent of meeting, I'm not talking about a place. I'm talking about a time in your life to meet with God every day. A place, that's the place where human brokenness meets with God's holiness. That is the place where human brokenness, saints of God have said that. It's not my quote. One of the saints of God said, a place where human brokenness meets with God's holiness. Today, he wants to draw us closer to you. He wants to draw close to you and he wants to draw you close to him. Please do not delay to pitch your tent of meeting. You decide now and say, Lord, I want to pitch my tent of meeting. I want this change. Please, in case you have any type of confusion about organizing your time, please ask us. We, the pastors, we have gone through struggles in our own life. We have seen how things have taken hold of many things, but still God enabled us to hold on to him, to trust him. And I wanted to tell from my own life, from ashes, God has raised me. And I want to help anyone. I'm sure Pastor is there, Pastor Sunny is there, Captain Joseph is there. We were all there to help you. And others are there to help you, to organize your life. How you can organize your life so that you can pitch your tent of meeting. That is, you can have a place with God to meet with him in your soul room. Let's close our eyes and look to God. Just a closer walk with you. 
just a closer walk with you. Father, I commit this time. Lead us, Lord. Lead us. I'm going to ask Pastor to pray for the message that God will minister to us and all of us will learn to pitch our tent. No cobwebs, no dust will gather that we will meet with God on a regular basis. We will cherish the welcome of God. We will receive the well-being that God gives, the care he gives for our inner personality and the way he warms our hearts so that we can warm others' hearts. 